0: Amen. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Can I have an amen on that? In our culture, they're quickly becoming a burden, but they are not. Can I have an amen on that? And I praise the Lord for them. Mm. Praise God. Amen. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we dig into your word today, as we continue this study on Ephesians, Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, that it is a delight to our heart, and blessed are they who meditate on it both day and night. Father, we honor your word, and we thank you, God, for the blessing of how you have given the word of God to your people. Through the years and the generations, I thank you, God, how your word has been preserved for us. Now, God, I just ask that your blessing would be upon the word today as it is preached and as it is declared. May you truly be glorified and honored in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to dive into the fourth chapter of Ephesians as we've been doing an expository study on the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles or your electronic Bibles or your iPhones or however you read your Bible, if you don't mind going to the fourth chapter of Ephesians today, and for those of you who are not electronic or don't have your Word, we'll put it up on the wall today. But today I'm going to, if I was going to put a title on today's message, I would say "Walking Out Our Faith." And in the study that we've been doing on Ephesians, we've The first three chapters of Ephesians has really been about what God has done for us. What he's done for us. Even today when we were singing, how great is our God, that's really about the first three chapters of Ephesians is how great God is in his mercy and his grace and how he has saved us. And it's not by works lest any man should boast, but it's the grace of God. We're saved by grace, amen? Amen. And so now the next three chapters, we're going to begin to move into what he wants to do through us, this walking out our faith. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, I'm going to do something a little different. We're going to read, how many love to read in this place? Readers are leaders, amen. We love to read the word of God. We're going to read the whole chapter four first before I start going into it, before I start breaking it down. And it's kind of amazing, even as this message developed all week, where I thought I was going to go and where we're going to actually spend a lot of time is a little different than what I thought. And so uh, let's have some fun with the Word of God today. You guys ready to have some fun with the Word? So if we could, go ahead, Phyllis, let's put up uh, chapter four, and we're going to um, go through this. And uh, I believe this is the NIV. And uh, we're going to start with verse 1, and then we're going we're to go back. So as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul is writing here. He says, Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It's pretty important. There is, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Try it again there we go, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. How many of you want to grow up and be mature? Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity And they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way I want you to live. (laughs) That is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not, let, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father, thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Now here's where we're going to go today. We're going to cover the fourth chapter of Ephesians, but I'm telling you there is so much more there that we can cover in the next 35 to 45 minutes. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to just share what God highlighted in my heart as we were reading, but I want to encourage you, take this scripture and begin to ask God, Lord, what are you trying to show me? Because each one of us are in a different place. Each one of us have a different Uh, thing we're dealing with in God, but this scripture will come alive as you dive into it. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to start with verse 1 of Ephesians 1, and I have the NIV and I have the King James up here, and I'm going to begin to go down this scripture, and we're going to begin to down point out points, because God is doing something uh, through Paul as he's written this letter to the Ephesian church He's doing something to bring a revelation so that they might grow up, that they might mature. And he started with the the first three chapters, and we're going to go somewhere with this. And I really believe it'll be a blessing to you, and it'll be an encouragement. I know I don't have any fancy pictures today, so stay engaged with the Word of God, okay? I don't have any theater seats or anything like that, so let's let's take a look at this. I looked for a few videos, and I couldn't find anything that would go along with it. All right, so let's take a look at this. Paul is talking, and he says... He is a prisoner for the Lord then, and he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, the reason I've put King James up here is I really believe that the interpretation from King James is a little more accurate than the NIV. In in the King James, it says, I therefore, and I'm going to remove the prisoner of the Lord, I therefore implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, I love the NIV and the fact that it says live a life worthy, but the word therefore is really, really big in here. The reason therefore is very, very big is because the word therefore that's not in the NIV is actually connecting us to the first three chapters that we've already read, It's really, really important for you to get the first three chapters down before you begin to move where God wants you to go. And so Paul is actually shifting gears here. Paul is actually, we're now moving from being seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're now moving from I'm called, I'm chosen. We're moving from being identified with Christ, that he has done these amazing things for us, that all these spiritual blessings that we receive in Christ, which was in chapter 1, 2, and 3, and we've, we've talked about how great our God is, that man, we have been saved by his grace, and we have a lot to be shouting about. We have a lot to be excited about. I mean, the fact that he has chosen you and me, the fact that he has called us saints, the fact that he says, I'm holy and blameless, you haven't seen me in the mornings, and I haven't seen you, praise God, in the morning. But the Bible says, and Paul is saying, all these first three chapters, you got to understand if you're going to move to where he's going. Because he's moving from being seated with God, now he's saying, I want you to walk in a different way. Because of all these great things Christ has done for you, now I want you to live a different way. And to be honest with you, this is where most of the people in the church vacate the premises. This is where most people fall asleep. This is where most people get bored with the Word of God. Because now, Eric, you're telling me that Paul is saying, I need to be responsible to do something with my life. And in our culture, teenagers, young adults, adults alike, we run from anything that looks like expectations. Anything that looks like responsibility—that what? You you, you you mean I need to have my life changed? You, you, you mean I got to grow up in my walk with God? I can't just stay in the celebration of I'm saved by grace. <laughs> just the good news of the gospel. That no, now Paul's saying. Therefore, there's a there's something I want from you. There's something that I want you to begin to contend for, the calling that you have been called to, the the vocation that I have called you to. Now we're moving from what God has done for you in chapters 1 through 3 to now what God wants to do through you. We're moving again from this thing of my identity is secured in Christ. <laughs> I'm a saint. I'm holy. I'm blameless. I'm chosen. I'm saved by grace. And it's a free gift of God. It's not about my performance. And now you're saying, whoa, 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 whoa Paul, now you're talking about performance. Is he bipolar? Is he going against what he just said in the first three chapters? We're moving from sitting position to now a walking position. You can't start walking with God if you don't realize what he has done for you. And I tell you what, Jeff Hughes and I had a precious time together Saturday. Uh, I mean, it, it, it did more for me than it did for him. <laughs> but when we started talking about, uh, to be honest with you, you know, Jeff and I, we talked about it. You know, we didn't do drugs. We didn't do alcohol. We didn't have premarital sex. We didn't do all the garbage that a lot of people have done, and that's not, but, but there's a pride that comes with that, because you don't realize what you've been saved from. And so me and Jeff talked about, well, I don't know about my testimony, it just doesn't seem that glorious. Oh, yes, it is glorious, because we don't realize what a wretched men and women we are without Christ, the pride. The selfishness, the greed, all the stuff that maybe doesn't look on the outside, but it's on the inside. And so where I'm going with this on Ephesians 4.1 is there is this thing of do we realize the poverty from which we've been set free? Do you really realize... What a dirtbag you were before Christ. Do you really realize that you were in the miry clay and that you were lost without hope and that you were headed to hell? That there was no hope without Christ. I don't care how good you were <laughs> because we've all fallen short of the glory of God every one of us. And even me, as I shared last week on my best hair day, I still fall short of the glory of God. And so Paul here is trying to urge us to live a life worthy of the calling. And here's where I went, I've written it down so I didn't forget it. Here's what Paul's really, really saying as we move into this, this scripture. Here's what Paul is saying. Therefore, in the light of the great and glorious truths which God revealed to you and the grace which he manifested towards you who are Gentiles, in light of these privileges and blessings that he has given you, and since God has done so much for you by bringing you into his kingdom and making you an heir and a partaker of his mercy because of what he's done, Paul begins to urge them to live a different life. He begins to urge them, dude, because of the great things he's done for you, may that give you a wake-up call, and may that stir you to live a life that is holy, to live a life that's higher, to live the higher privileges. And, and the thing that the Lord put, put in my heart, and this may not, <laughs> this may not be um, good for you if you didn't have a good mom. I had a really great mom, and I'm really, praise God for that. And... Um, I I hope this makes sense. When I look at all the things that my mother did for me, when I think of all her laying her life down, when I think of all that Karen does for our children, when I think of all the, the sacrifice and I think of all the blessings that my mom did for me, it makes me really love her. It makes me appreciate her. It makes me want to give her honor. It makes me want to sacrifice my life for my mother. It's like my wife. I mean, she is amazing. And and her amazingness makes me want to do things for her that normally I wouldn't want to do. I mean, lots of laborious stuff. I mean, on my day off, I, I I, worked really hard for that woman. And I got all the junk out of our flower beds and I cleaned it up, got the leaves out and all the dead stuff. And Abe comes home from school for lunch. He said, wow, you're going to lose weight doing that. <laughs> I said, that's one of the reasons I'm doing it. I mean, I'm, I was dragging. I, I mean... 51 is coming real close. And uh, I can't do what I used to be able to do. But here's what I want to say. It's her tremendous love and her unconditional love and her, all those things that makes it so easy to love her that way, to sacrifice. And that's really what Paul's saying here is, is he's saying, because of all the things that Jesus has done for you, Therefore, live a different way. Don't live like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking and their lust and their desires and giving and doing whatever you want to do. But he's saying live something different. In light of that, he's saying, would you, would you live your life in such a way? And we're going to go into the higher privileges. We're going to talk about the God's character today in Ephesians. And we're going to look at what is this walk a different way. Walk this way. <laughs> <laughs> Who sang that? Arrow I'm dating myself back to the 70s and 80s. Walk in such a way. How many want to live that way? How many want to walk differently? Because of the abundance of grace, the things that God has done for you, you really got to get, and here's where I don't feel like I've done a very good job in chapters 1 through 3. It's like, do we really realize what he's done for us? If you don't study it, if you don't get in there and, and you don't allow the Lord to do something in your heart, you really don't realize what you've been saved from. It just comes words. Okay, so you guys ready to go into the higher way? You want to see the way God's wanting us to walk? Because that's where Paul's taking us. He's moving us to a different way to walk. And so Paul begins to tell them, What these elevated principles, what this way of walking that I want you to do. I want you to get up off your butt. Yes, you're seated in heavenly places. Yes, you're devoted. Yes, you're chosen. Yes, all these spiritual blessings are yours, no matter how you perform and how you live. Yes, my grace is there. But now, I want you to walk elevated principles. I want you to come up higher. How many want to go higher? How many want to mature? How many want to grow in their walk with Jesus Christ? How many want to live something different than the world has given you? We desperately need people. We need America revived so people have got to start living differently than what we're living. Can I have an amen? amen? Not just me, but you. We must live something different so the world sees something different in us. What now they see is hypocrisy. What they see right now is judgmentalness. What they see right now is not the image of Jesus Christ. We are all in agreement with that. And it's easy to say, yes, amen, that's true. But what about me? When the rubber meets the road, you must begin to live differently. You must take these things that Jesus has done for you, these amazing, amazing things, and realize, wow, I've been set free for a purpose. I've been set free for a reason that I might reflect the glory of God. I might reflect the manifold wisdom of my God. That we just sang about and said, he's amazing, but I stink like poop. He's amazing, but I live like crap. He's amazing, but I don't really care. Oh, he's amazing. But what about you? Yeah, what about you? Mm. Yeah, That's why I'm not on the worship team. So we're going to talk about elevated principles. So let's look what Paul talks about. What are these principles that Paul's talking about? He says in chapter 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. (laughs) These are aspects of God's character he wants formed in you. So Paul says, therefore, because of all that's been done for you, now live in such a way. Live in such a way. Live in such a way. Walk in such a way that there's something different about you. (laughs) So, let's look at these three aspects of God's character. Where I really thought I was going to go today, I was really going to talk about the five-fold ministry. I was going to talk about the apostle. I was going to talk about the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and how they equip the body of Christ. We're going to get there a little bit. Just take those old records off the shelf. <laughs> I shouldn't listen to them by myself. Hmm. Tell whatever I came out of. So, here's what we're going to do. I love having fun with you guys. But let's really, let's really say, God, get these things inside my heart. And you know what? These things don't come in your heart immediately. As we get into the bottom of chapter 4, it's going to say, the Bible talks about how to put on the new self, to take off the old self, and to put on the, what I'm going to show you is i want to talk about how you put on the new self, okay, the new principles. Because is this the way of the world? Is the world humble? Is the world gentle and meek? Is the world patient? Is your boss patient? Is your boss humble? Are you? How do they know what we're supposed to look like? Okay, you guys ready for this? I love this. Here's what humility is or means. Lowliness of mind, voluntary Humility. Everybody say voluntary humility. Voluntary. Say it again. Voluntary. voluntary. Humility. humility. Humility is the opposite of pride. Okay. You know what pride is, right? Yeah. Me, myself, and Irene. It's all about me. Yeah. Voluntary humility. Philippians 2.3 says, let us make a choice to esteem others better than ourselves. That really sums it up right there. Having your showing a higher value of the importance of others before yourself. Now, I'm going to give you an example of how I was in my flesh last night. Anybody want to see my flesh last night? I was gone all day. I'm wanting to give you an example of where the rubber meets the road. I am not perfect. Hang around me long enough and you'll find that out. Example from Eric Taylor's life. I get home last night, been gone all day. I'm tired. I'm ready to sit in my derriere. <laughs> Karen has supper fixed. The dishwasher's full. Dishes are all in the sink. Grunderful <laughs> lasagna serving us great. She'd been working all day herself. And I come home and I devour lasagna. And uh, get done with supper, there's no place to normally get done with supper, put my dishes in the dishwasher, and do my part, and those dishes were starting to make me manifest. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, oh. And my father-in-law, who's sitting on the recliner that faces that sink of dishes, what's the matter, Eric? I heard a growl. I said, well... I'm just struggling whether I'm going to live by my flesh or my spirit. (laughs) Huh? I said, my flesh does not want to do these dishes. My flesh does not want to put my wife above myself. My flesh wants to go over there and sit on that recliner, crank it up, and go into the (laughs) ozones. Uh, Can I have a witness? Anybody ever walk that walk with me? I did not want to prefer my wife. And I can't say that I did those dishes with the right motivation of my heart. As I was putting off the old man with its lusts and its desires and its selfishness, and i was choosing to clothe myself with the new man which is made righteous in the beauty of god and i had my i had to beat my body that night and i had to make it a slave and i had to bless my wife that's how you put off the old man my friends That's how you do it. And I tell you, I didn't successfully do it just perfect. My mind wasn't there. I was making myself do what I knew was right. I knew this message was being preached. How am I going to make esteem my wife better than myself? Now, I've flunked with that test over and over through the years. I've been married almost 29 years. And I I can honestly say I've flunked it many times. Any other husbands in here flunked that test? Teenagers, what about this? When you go to school and you know uh, you're trying to get ready or do something and then, you know, somebody, I don't know, say somebody drops your books. Do you think about, oh, I better help that person and prefer them before myself and pick their books up and help them? No, we just walk by and go, huh, stinks to be you today. Uh-huh. Don't we? You know? How about when you go to work and you got an agenda on your, on your job? And you got something you want to do. And you choose to do what you want to do over putting somebody else first. These are kingdom principles. That man, we manifest the wisdom of God and manifold, his, his manifold wisdom when we start living like that. When, you, when, you, when you gotta do the, you're wanting to do the garden and you're wanting to get your plants in the ground. And you choose to do something for somebody else. You choose maybe to go to the hospital and visit somebody. Or you choose to help your mom or your dad. Or you choose to do something that you don't want to do. How about when you go through life and you, oh, let's say it's it's a baby shower coming up. We got Kelsey who's going to have a baby shower. We'll pick on her today, Adam and Kelsey. And you got all this stuff that you want to do on that Saturday. But you choose to go to the baby shower to honor somebody else before yourself. See, that's where it really meets the road. That's Christianity 101. That's being conformed to the very image of Christ. You know what really blessed me this this, this time this spring? This church got blessed, and we got landscaping and everything, and everybody did a work day, and we did it before we did our own houses. And people came out here, and they worked, and they beautified the house of God. And they could have been working on their own house but they put God before themselves. That's where the rubber meets the road. Am I painting a picture of what humility is? And this is what God's wanting to develop in us when he says, because of what Christ has done for you, the humility where he took the very form of a servant, laid down his life for you. In the light of that glory, in the light of what he did for you, in the way he has loved you, will you please now live in such a way to live like that what would the body of Christ look like if everyone was doing that would there be needs met what could it look like because it doesn't look like that right now you got 10 or 15 people who try to do that maybe or I don't know but what if the body of Christ in Henry County was living that way? Making a choice. Everybody say choice. choice. To esteem others better than myself. How are you doing with that? If you're like me, you struggle. If you're like me, your flesh wants to be in control. But Paul's painting a picture to the Ephesian church. He's saying, would you walk? In a different way. And here's what I want to say that kind of living doesn't happen overnight. It's through mistakes. It's through when you get home from a long day and you're ready to sit down and you're faced with a choice. Am I going to esteem others better than myself? Or am I going to make a different choice? See, everything's choice. Everything's a choice. He has a choice to shut it off or leave it on. I'm just kidding. But I like those old records on the shelf. But seriously, they're planning Mother's Day. Having or showing a higher value. Let me ask you. Ooh, I don't want to irreverence the the table of the Lord. I almost sat on that. How are you doing with Humility. Has anybody ever said you're selfish? (laughs) You can let those rise up a little higher. Anybody ever said you're selfish? Humility. How are you doing at putting others before yourself? And then he goes into this second one. Paul. Guys, I hate this, but this is really good stuff. This is good preaching. But you're responsible So what is gentleness and meekness? I love this one. Gentleness and meekness relates to how you respond to others when they've hurt you. When they've offended you. The character of God is about how you respond to others. If you're going to respond. Gentleness and meekness is like this. When somebody hurts me, offends me, says something that hurts my heart. Most people in the world retaliate. Yeah. Most people in the world, they blow up in anger. Most people in the world seek revenge. Is that true? Yeah. But gentleness and meekness is that there is this gentle response of forgiveness, of realizing because of the light of God's mercy and his gentleness on my life, I understand how gentle and how merciful he has been to this boneheaded guy named Eric Hayler. And because I understand that revelation of his humility, his gentleness, his kindness towards me, I then give it to Alger when he acts like a bonehead, which he very rarely does. <laughs> Do you see what Paul's talking about in verse 1 now? Therefore... What he has done for me, I can then give it to somebody else. And so now I can be gentle to Chris. I can be meek. I don't have to blow up. I don't have to retaliate. I don't have to say, oh, you are that in a bag of chips and Facebook and say, well, some people wouldn't do this. and <laughs> And I retaliate on Facebook, which I'm sure no one in this place has ever done. But because we're such cowards... Because we're such cowards and we choose not to love and be gentle and patient and go, Man, they must have just had a bad hair day. I'm gonna extend the same mercy and gentleness that God has given me and I'm gonna just pray for them, say, God bless them. God, I thank you for them. They don't know what they're doing. And I may even be interpreting it incorrectly. I may not be having all the facts. I may not know what I think I know because now I'm humble. And humility says, I may not know everything. Pride says, I got it all figured out. I've put you there, and I'm going to stay there. All right. How'd that get to that one? You guys should have told me that. So gentleness and meekness is, this, is how do I respond to others when they hurt me? How you guys doing with that one? If we're going to manifest the kingdom of God, when we show its power, what we do is we show its power by when we react to people. Instead of reacting, we respond in gentleness and meekness. Anybody want that kind of stuff? But we're not doing it. Anybody else doing it? Not very often. We get upset. We retaliate. We blow up. We get in anger. And here's what I want to say. Guys, don't get all con- con- condemnation. I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I know the conviction of God moves through this stuff. And he starts, oh, Eric's preaching to me. He knew what I did last night to that person. And who told him? Grace, did you tell Eric last night? Because he's preaching right at me. Here's what I want to say. This stuff will come easy. And natural if you get a revelation of chapter 1, 2, and 3 and what Christ has done for you. It's all revelation based. Because here's what will happen. If you don't get a revelation of chapter 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians, you're going to be an actor. You're going to be an imposter. You're going to put on the happy face. And you're going to act like you're giving grace or humility or meekness and gentleness. And behind the scenes, you're going to be going, and then what will happen is somebody will do one thing and you'll go, and you'll blow up and you'll overreact because you really didn't have a revelation in your heart of what Jesus Christ has really done for you. And see the reason for a drug addict or somebody that was involved in deep, deep sin, who much, you know, the Bible even says that if you've been given forgiven much, you forgive much. And so we need to have a revelation of chapter one, two, and three. Okay, let's keep going. It's 12 o'clock. Wow. Yep, I keep advancing this and don't even know it. I get so excited with this flicker. (laughs) Ephesians. I'm whoa. Where am I? Yeah. Hold that word, patience. Be patient with others' faults, sins, and weaknesses, in the in their character. Here's what I want to say. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, even though we spend a lot of time picking out people's faults and weaknesses and sins. Anybody have a critical mind? Does anybody else have a problem with uh, picking out what people are doing wrong? Mm, me too. Being patient with others has to deal with how you treat people when you see their faults, sins, and weaknesses in character. When you find somebody impatient when they discipline their kids and you go, whoo, whoo, man, that dude's got issues. Or when somebody lets their kids run like heathens all over the place and they don't have a clue where they're going, you're going, man, I wish they'd get control of their kids. Or you see somebody that's real critical, or they've got issues, and you go, wow, why did they let that guy on the prayer team? (laughs) I saw him carrying a case of beer out of the bar the other night. (laughs) I'm joking. Alger, we need to have a talk. (laughs) Matter of fact, right now. (laughs) You see, the failings and the shortcomings and the imperfections and the limitations that people have in their growth with Christ, what I find is we don't go very far with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't go very far before we write them off and we discount them and we give up on them and we lose the unity of the faith we lose the unity in the body that is the power because we see each other's shortcomings and faults and it's, you know, it's like when I did the funeral this week for Scott Cooney I took a walk out to Westfield, Westview where that, that lake out that way what's it called? it's where we're having our picnic Westwood Lake I took a walk out there as I was preparing for the funeral because I didn't want to represent God's heart. And, uh, you know, if you hang around me very long, you're going to find out that I've got shortcomings, just like you. I'm not perfect. And uh, I was preparing for Scott's funeral since he had uh, OD'd. And uh, he had died. And uh, I was struggling. Lord, is he in heaven or hell? Anybody else think that? And so I was walking in the woods, and I was crying. And I was asking for revelation. Lord, what do I tell these people? And my friends... I just preached the Sunday before about how we're saved by grace and not by works, lest any man boast. And so the Lord began to convict my heart. And He said, Eric, I'm going to get real vulnerable. You guys like vulnerability? I don't. It's really scary. He said, Eric, remember when you started preaching the gospel back in the 90s? Yeah, I do, Lord. He said, uh, What were you struggling with? I think this question's for me, not you. Because <laughs> you already know the answer. And I said, Pornography. Uh, what, what did you say, Eric? Pornography. Were you saved? And these barrel cries start coming from the inside. What you've saved me from. What you've done to set me free from the bondage of perversion. And he said, did Cooney bow his knee and did his tongue confess me as Lord? And I said, Absolutely. But he was caught in a sin just like you were. And he was saved just like you were. And he was in the process of getting set free, but didn't make it. Patient. But how many of us, when people we see are their faults and their sins, we write them off? seeing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was so lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior you've ransomed me and like a flood your mercy rains unending love amazing grace that's what it takes to be patient That's what it takes for Marcus to be patient with Leslie. <laughs> Rob, for you to be patient with Heidi. You too. And it's kind of funny. I was going to go into Ephesians 4.11 where he gives... He, and why was it that Paul starts the fourth chapter with patience, humility, long-suffering, meekness, and gentleness? Because in the very next verse that we were going to go through today then starts talking about, whoa, God actually apportions a grace to each man's life. And there are some who are called apostles, some who are prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And God all of a sudden starts preferencing, and he gives preference over certain people as he disposes or gives this grace upon their life. And this grace of being a shepherd has been given to me. I don't know why from my mother's womb he gave me that grace to shepherd the body of Christ, but he did. And some are called apostles. Some prophets, teachers, evangelists. And I think they cause jealousy in the body of Christ. And people want to put on someone else's armor, somebody else's grace that has been given. Paul said the the grace the administration of grace was given me to be an apostle to the Gentile. His grace gift was that. And how many people want what somebody else has? And this whole passage in chapter 4, where I was going to go, if we don't get humility, if we don't get gentleness and meekness, if we don't get these characteristics of Christ at the very beginning, we'll never move into being apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers because everybody will be jealous of everybody else. And then those works, those those gifts that have been given to the body, can't equip the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. And that's what we. This one, one of the foundational principles this church has been founded on: that it's the fivefold ministry that actually equips the body of Christ for the work. But because we don't understand the apportionment of God's grace, His administration of His grace, grace that He apportions as He chose, as He chooses. I know I'm having a hard time talking today. You get up in here and tell everybody you have trouble with pornography and you'd be having problems too. Amen. I mean, I lose my pants last week and now I'm telling that. And dear God, I'll let you have this job because man, this grace is really rough. <laughs> I tell you what you think, if you're, you, you want to be called to the ministry, rethink it. Because if the grace of God is not on you for it, you it will destroy you. I made sure I wore a belt today. Stand up with me. I didn't get near as far as I wanted to. (laughs) I'm so glad you guys like to have fun. It's a lot of fun here, isn't it? Worship's good, preaching's a little marginal. you know what what's that so everybody start dropping your pants (laughs) so goes the leader come on let's follow my example today I'm joking Brady keep your pants on back there You know, really when it boils down to it, God is trying to do something in building an army of God here who is humble, gentle, patient, loving, unified, forgiving, compassionate, and sometimes making fun of everybody. No. Isn't he trying to do something in our hearts? What's the Spirit of God wanting to do in your heart today? Amen. I know this isn't a Mother's Day message, but it really is. Because mothers usually really exemplify those three characteristics that we just talked about today. And us men are just trying to catch up with it. (laughs) Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we do want to honor you today. Lord, as we've discussed Ephesians chapter 4, we realize that God... You're really trying to get us to take off the old man and to put on the new man, which is being renewed in the image of you, our creator. And Lord, we realize that there's areas of our lives where we are not humble. We don't seek to or make a choice to put others before ourselves. We don't respond well when people hurt us. We're not meek. We're not gentle. Matter of fact, many times, Lord, we think that it's our responsibility to keep people from walking on us. But Father, you showed the example through your Son of how he was meek and he was gentle and he was kind. And we thank you that you have been gentle and kind with us. We thank you that you humbled yourself and took our form and took on our sicknesses, and our diseases, and our sin, because we couldn't, we couldn't bear the weight of our own sin. We thank you, God, that you've been patient with us. And I pray of all the things that we've talked about today, God, that you'd bring a revelation in our hearts, really, of how good you are, so that it changes our behavior, so that it changes how we respond to others, with patience, gentleness, and humility. Father deal with our hearts today even as we honor our mothers. Father may these three characteristics of you may they go with us today. May we humble ourselves before our mothers and our fathers even if they were bad moms and dads. May we be meek today. May we be gentle today with our family. May we put them first. May we serve them instead of wanting to be served. And may we be patient with the comments that are made today around our families. <laughs> May we be patient with all the shortcomings and imperfections that are in our families. Father, you've put us all, every one of us, in a dysfunctional family, <laughs> and you're wanting us to shine a different light in that family. So, Lord, make our lights shine brightly today. May they really see patience and humility and gentleness and patience. Father, we thank you for that. Bless our mothers. Bless our day as we honor our mothers. And may you be glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Read Ephesians chapter 5 next week. No, I didn't cover all of the four, but go back there if you have any questions about it. Ask me and I'll bless you and help you. Have a great day.